Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game. I'm one of your hosts, Dungeon Master Mitch. And I'm your other host, DM Neil, a.k.a. Bear Maniac. No, that's not it. Jolt Maniac. Spoilers abound. Yes, today we are uh, looking at the bear folk. Specifically, we'll be talking about the bear folk. If you're going, oh man, I don't know, bear folk? Is that an official D&D race no not yet it isn't however if you're doing uh, that then you had the same conversation that mitch and i had (laughs) it is not if we're talking about wizards of the coast DD, but if we're talking about kabold press we are talking about midgar bear folk today that's what we're talking about and as always when we talk about uh, the different races of these fantasy worlds uh, we're gonna bring in some thoughts on how we would do bear folk in our own homebrew worlds and just to get your brains kind of started on if you want to kind of give bear folk a spin a different spin in your world maybe we'll give you some good ideas for that so neil without any ado let's go to the meat i'm starving we ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days Why can't we have some meat? Looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. So lately, and I know I say this, but again, for dear listener, who knows? This could be the first podcast you ever listen to. But with a podcast like ours that has gone on as long as it has, one of the more interesting questions I've found to ask now is why? Why are we talking about bear folk or why did the topic at hand come to your minds? Because often we're like, what do we talk about? Okay, let's double check. We haven't talked about that before. Oops, we have. Here's another episode. But so my thought is, why did you bring up bear folk as the one to discuss? Uh, Because bear folk are awesome. Uh, Longtime listeners of the show will know that I love beast folk. Uh, Those are that's if if I get to play, which my goodness, it's been a long time since I've gotten to play a PC in a game. Uh, maybe every now and then like a one shot, but that's even been a long time. If I get a chance to play, I typically would like to go for a beast folk, uh, and bear folk are just awesome. I mean, they're humanoid bears. They're sweet. Um, so I know that it's not like we, we talked about not an official Watsi race yet, although they've been getting a lot more beast folk in, but Kabold press has done some work on the bear folk. And I think it's just a great thing as DMS to talk about, Uh, the different races of fantasy worlds, because as you're creating your fantasy world, uh, you're asking what kind of people live in those fantasy worlds that you're creating, what kind of cultures exist uh, among those people. Uh, And so for sure, if you've created a homebrew world and you have or have not yet placed bear folk into your world, I think this is a good discussion to listen to but also i think these are good episodes of course to listen to some of our episodes are pretty good if you're a player even though it's the dungeon master's block i think these i think these are pretty good episodes for players to listen to and get some ideas yeah and yeah and i think one of the the other things that i always think about when it's uh, bear folk or anything like this is are there others because if this is the first one you're introducing, I think there's a lot more thought that you as the DM need to put behind that idea. Like, let's say we're, we're fairly classic in the idea of humans, dwarves, elves, ha- mm. halflings, and now bear folk. Yeah. 
So that's that's a lot more interest. It's a lot more interesting of a discussion than uh, we already have a Tabaxi, a Heron gone, um, an Aracocra, um, and all those things. <laughs> so I think that you know that's always definitely kind of the first place to think about as to where they would fit. Um, so I know you've done a lot of homebrew, and I kind of have the the go to info on what Cobalt Press has done. So I think. Where did you put the bear folk in your world? Um, or are they just prevalent throughout? Uh, they are not prevalent throughout. Um, I, the answer is yes and no. Uh, because one thing that comes into play with a lot of these fantasy races is sub races. And so uh, I have gotten in my homebrew world when it comes to the bear folk um, pretty specific on different types of sub races. And so if you're talking about a, a polar uh, bear folk, which in my world, I, I like to, they just go by Ursa. They are different uh, in where they live, obviously, uh, but in their culture, uh, in their societies, then the panda bear folk are um, for sure. So there's there's all these different types of sub races in my world, which I know at Kabold Press has at least two sub races uh, that they have released so far. Yeah, it, and it's interesting with, with almost all of them. It, it, I think that is the perfect second question. So when I think about bear folk, is immediately my mind says, okay, what kind of bear folk do I want? And so just yeah. so we know, my first thing that I did was Google smallest bears just to see like <laughs> where that bottom threshold is. And I was right in my, like, I have children of the exact right age that animals are something we always learn about. So it yeah. is the sun bear, um, which okay. is only about five I was going to say, if the if your search came up with koala bear, I was going to say, you can't trust the internet these nope. days. <laughs> I would be a marsupial. Yes. Um, but um, so it's five feet long and weighs up to 150 pounds. And they so have that, awesome tongues. Yeah. So, and then that would be the the is the second thing I thought was adding some sort of tongue based stability, but probably not. I don't know if I trust <laughs> openly trust players with that kind of thing. But, <laughs> but that would be my first thought: is where, especially if I'm going to add bear folk into where my campaign is right now. Um, yeah. So if I think about mine. I don't know that I would. I don't know that I could because it would need to be a one-off because, again, mine is very coastal, very sea-based um, adventure. So I don't know that I would find the time or force it um, short of a player themselves wanting to play a bear folk for the rest of the campaign. Like I'm not going to force that into into there. Now, so I think that we've talked about this before. I, I've definitely talked about it before because, again, I love Beast Folk. But I think the question, if you're creating bear folk for your homebrew world, um, the question of what exactly is a bear folk, like what makes a bear folk a bear folk, that question, I think, with beast folk comes down to, for me, you're either going to very heavily lean into getting inspiration from the actual real world animal and the way that they live and the type of creature they are, or you're going to go the exact opposite. Again, I know I've mentioned this in podcasts before, but I think of if, if leaning towards that opposite, the first thing I think of is Reap a Cheap in the Narnia books, because he's a, he's a mouse uh, that he's all about nobility and bravery uh, because as a mouse, uh, he doesn't want people to look down on him because of, him being a mouse, so he will run into battle. The first one to run into battle 
Um, constantly talks as if he were 12 times bigger the size than he is. So kind of like, you know, if you think of a, well, what are mouse folk in my world like? The leaning towards uh, the actual animal would probably go, well, they're more timid, maybe skittish, or you could go on that opposite. So as far as bear folk, I think that's a question you want to ask as well, is am I going to create a bear folk race that whether it's the sub race of polar bear or panda, whatever it is, am I going to take inspiration from the actual creatures in the real world themselves? Or am I going to defy the odds and go a different way and say, yeah, forget everything you know about pandas. These are not going to be like pandas. But they do all sound like Jack Black from uh, Kung Fu. <laughs> that's it. That's it. So like you said, Neil, you've you've really done some a lot of research on the Kabold Press Midgard bear folk. So in that world, what makes a bear folk who it is? Besides the fact that it's a humanoid bear. Yeah, and I think I think it's a lot of the things you see about natural bears in in that while they you, they will certainly tear you and everything about you apart, you need to push a bear to make that sort of thing happen. So Basically, they are very they are very insular in their communities, but focused so heavily on those communities, and they're willing to protect it no matter what. As well as look to the ancestors that have come before. So, like one of the most notable things that I thought was really interesting from there was if you were to go to a bear folk town in Midgard, you're basically at the center of town is going to be some statue, totem, something paying homage to the ancestor, um, and then. Some other interesting things are like, while that's also true, there are no familial lines. Like, you'll, you know, just as we would name a child, we give that child its name, and then it earns its second name. So is it so-and-so Ironhide, because they were able to withstand some terrible battle um, and come out of it unscathed, or something like that. So, um, and then, like I said, that affinity towards nature, focusing on Martial classes first because they're giant bears. Let's not let's not get it twisted. Um, but then also looking towards um, rangers, druids, and clerics, especially for nature um, for nature related things. So I think that's and it's more of like your brown and black bear because again that that's more of what we see in the real real world. I don't know why I did air quotes. It's the real world. Whatever. It, so I think those those are my biggest takeaways. Um, and I have some ideas on things I would personally change, adding them to my world. Yeah, so how are they in the world and mind of one DM Mitch? Uh, they, they're, I told you this uh, pre-recording, while reading up in the Kabold Press, Bear Folk, I told you, oh man, there's a lot of similar things here. The Bear Folk in my world tend to be uh, like all these good qualities that the Midgar race kind of leans on, they're they're very noble um, in the way that they try to live. They lean heavily on their people, whether that's their tribe, their family. The Midgard bear folk, when it comes down to if there is a disagreement, they will go. If they two bear folk can't like decide on a disagreement together, uh, they will then go to the elders of uh, the bear folk to make a decision. And it, it kind of seems like there's an honor-shame culture going on with the Midgar bear folk. Because if you go against the will of the elders, uh, it can be very shameful for your tribe and your family. In uh, my world, my homebrew world of Atos, uh, like I said, I have a, a number of different bear folk. So 
the polar bear folk um, are the one that I've spent the most time working on. And they live far to the north uh, in the tundras, uh, very far away from human civilization, which is for a number of reasons. But the reason they first moved as far north as they did was because along with bear folk in my world are werebears, lycanthropes. Uh, and in my world, werebears are not typically good. It's just like werewolves. It's it's a dangerous thing. You don't want to run into a werebear. And so early on in the civilization of my world, when people first encountered the bear folk or the ursas, they actually tried to kill them and hunt them down because they thought they were coming across werebears and wanted to stop the spread of the lyc- lycanthropy. So that kind of pushed the bear folk further and further to the north, at least for the polar bear folk. um, That was their experience. Uh, I thought that was a fun way to kind of mess around with uh, werebears being a thing in fantasy worlds, but also bear folk. And like, how would those two? I I felt like having good werebears and good bear folk was kind of just too similar. So I went with a little bit of a different path for those that way and it works i mean always looking at like lycanthropy as a curse i mean then it, it's usually not yay i got cursed uh, yeah <laughs> but the other interesting thing you brought up is like the that like familial sort of thing one of the funniest things from the the midgard version is that around five or six bear cubs become super adventurous yeah and kind of just look at everybody as part of their family regardless of whether or not they're bear folk. So they'll just like wander into the normal town and just like dig around in the pantry yeah. and also just be like, well, yeah, I'm a part of this family now. Um, and then it's just like, well, I mean, it's not the worst thing. They do listen really well. Um, they do a lot of chores and they're pretty yoked out for a five-year-old. So could be worse. That's very similar to the brown and black bear uh, folk subrace in my world as well. They, they like to explore. They a lot of them become adventurers, uh, and they are maybe too trusting until given a reason to not trust. And so they will quickly become very good friends to the point of saying, like, "Oh, you're family. You're my new den. You're my new uh, tribe." That's that's very similar. So yeah, the Midgar bear folk are very similar with the black and brown uh, bear folk of my world. The, the polar bear folk are very different as given that history of um, being driven further and further north. Um, the polar, the brown, and the black bear folk also in my world uh, are ruled over by, they don't call them elders, but they, there's a leader of each tribe that's called the Dominus. Uh, and they are the biggest bear folk uh, of the tribe. To the point where if you take bear folk from, from Midgar um, and also in Atos, most of them are medium size. We're talking about like large seven foot, like, but they are still medium size. That's the typical size of bear folk in my world, except for the Dominus. The Dominus will typically be, we're thinking like size of like an ogre, but a bear folk. So they can reach like 12 to 15 feet tall. And those are the the strongest uh, and the ones who lead the tribes, which I know in 5th edition, I have not come across any official books with anything larger than a 
medium size for a player character race, which I know is based off of wanting there to be balance. But hey, in your homebrew world, maybe you want to make things differently uh, than that. And so for in, in my world of Atos, there is an option that you could, if I worked with a player, I'd be happy to potentially give them a large bear folk character, depending on situation and campaign and how that kind of fit in as long as it wasn't breaking the balance of the game. And then you have them be an Ironhide bear and they might be named Colossus. And then (laughs) maybe you have a small character who is a Wolverine folk and you have the one throw the other. I love it. Please and thank you. I hope this happens. So I, so it, yeah, this the conversation has definitely had me think a lot about like how I would introduce them to my world. And I think depending on how your world is, because there's a lot of discussion that happens, and I will just use two of two of the most notable worlds that D and D knows. It is the Forgotten Realms, and it yep. is Greyhawk. Yep. One of the things about the two different realms is whether or not there is areas that are explored or areas that aren't explored. Hmm. If you have a less explored world. Um, with more natural habitats that have, again, have yet to have cities or anything like that, then the Bearfolk could have just lived there for hundreds and thousands of years without any interaction. And at that point, you could have more of like a Bigfoot-style lore behind them. The other thing I think is like, I don't know that I would put them in cities. Like leaning towards the idea of like really, really small communities like you would see in, in... the natural world and like there may be gatherings like let's say you know you think about like when the salmon are all coming upstream do bear folk meet there once every year once every five years something like that but for the most part it is a pairing that has cubs and then those cubs go off and they have their own pairing eventually so i think i would probably for me do something more akin to that if you were to have them in a world or in like in your players, it would be that younger one that is out seeing the world before basically settling down to have a family. And the other thing is I would definitely make them live a super long time because I think that's really cool. Because hmm. the Midgard one is about 80 and you know that, that puts them in the realm of most D&D races looking towards about 100 for your um, end of life kind of thing. Yeah, I I think I like I like where you're going with that with the uh, not having them live in typical towns. And that's that's how, like, you you wouldn't come across in Atos. You wouldn't come across like, oh, like, look at all those log cabins that uh, make up this town that the bear folk live in. Like, the brown and black bear folk may become adventurers and may move into uh, human or elf or dwarven or a mixture, like, different uh, mortal race civilizations. But if you go out to where they're living... I, I like to keep it more of, as with most beast folk in my world, there is this affinity for the natural. And so just like a regular bear, a bear folk would live in a cave a lot of the times. However, this would be like the epitome of like a hobbit uh, cave, yep, right? It's like it's more thinking. comfortable. You Like it may from the outside look exactly alike, but you move inside and it's comfortable and... Uh, the bear folk will have like torches along the wall for uh, light and maybe like sitting on a on a nice uh, chair of some sort, uh, reading a book or something or uh, whittling or whatever it is. But they're still loving the natural world, loving to be in nature. That's how I would definitely lean towards 
coming, a- yeah, coming across a bear folk uh, at its home, you might walk past a home because you might be like, I don't want to go inside that cave. There's probably <laughs> a beast inside of there. And then you're like, but but it smells delicious. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I think about it, like, yeah, my first thought was hobbits, but then and this this may shock you, dear listener. Um, my second thought was dwarves. And then it also got me on the idea of asking this question, because I'm thinking about it now, is what other races in the world work really well with the bear folk? And I, and I could see some of that, them seeking out dwarves and dwarves seeking them out, because again, that it's that balance of those natural caves, but also yeah. do I need a second room? Do I need this? Do I need that? And so then like kind of that back and forth of finding that, that balance. Um, so I think they would work somewhat well, or at least have communication with dwarves. When you think of bear folk, you think of uh, the fact that they would probably have a really good ability as far as climbing. I think of like, you're kind of equating it to dwarves. Like I haven't done this in my own world, but I'm thinking along the lines of like elves as well. If elves have like cities up in trees, why oh, not yeah. have a bear folk that creates like it's a tree house, but a bear, a bear lives yeah. in it. Like that's like it, they can easily access it and others cannot. Um, that seems like a pretty um, logical way that you could go in your homebrew world. The panda Ursa in my world are, however, a lot different than the other sub races. They're probably the most human in the way that they live they do live in huts huts of bamboo uh they are none there are no panda ursa that are large they're all they're the smallest version of the bear folk that i've at least created in my world because i haven't thought about sun bear folk and if uh if and where they live in my world but they're all medium size um and even a little bit more on the shorter side of the medium uh, and they tend to live solitary lives. So they they raise their children, but then they go off and uh, live solitary, quiet lives, like somewhere within the wilderness. And I played a campaign where there, where a character, a player was playing one of them. And we kind of worked out the lore that among the panda Ursa, there were a lot of uh, prophetic uh, fortune telling. They were fortune telling people. And so he played an actual prophet character that had like powers to see into the future and it, it was a lot of fun but that so the panda ursa in my world became very different if you were going to make the bear folk in your world is there a type of bear folk that you would you would think that you would kind of lean heavily on like making them much more unique than maybe the rest of the races the rest of the sub races yeah so i am leaning more towards the polar bear as well because i think that like that would that solves a lot of the the equations and questions kind of in my mind of why aren't they there yet? Why are they showing up now? And it could be that something, something's happening, you know, you know, off the top, white dragon is a problem. We we need to send someone out uh, to deal with it. And I, but I think to set them apart, I, one of the things that I, I mean, I guess it solves almost every problem that I said I had before. And through this discussion, we've now resolved them. Um, <laughs> they can swim really well. So I guess that solves um, my previous issue of being out in the water. So I think that I think that that's where I would lean is that having this coastal bear or because it makes me think of the Minotaur. That they're all seafaring, which is super weird to me. I think having like switching some of that up and replacing it with a polar bear folk um, and having them being seafaring, or at least from like island to island, but still being in um, 
colder climates and then you can start to do some more some of that tribe and culture aspect be towards vikings would be another way i would probably go oh viking bear folk sound amazing if you think like often you see like all that like drizzling just deep in your bones cold rain um in those scenes with vikings but then yeah having long ships or, or something like that uh, that they make but then also having the ability to um just jump off and dive dive deep kind of thing yeah now i gotta see if i can convince a player to be a polar bear <laughs> <laughs> i think the i think another question that you could be pondering if you're thinking about adding bear folk to your world uh, is their origin. Um, I think when it comes to beast folk, that's always an interesting question. How did this race come about? Was it simply a, a god created? Maybe there's a, a bear god that created a people of his own. But within that origin, was there, like, did the bear folk come from the awakening of some regular bears? Did were they blessed with higher intelligence uh, and then they started becoming more of a people because of the blessing that a God has given to them? Or was it a, with some beast folk in my world, uh, there was magic involved, whether by accident or, or by purpose, that the the dumb beasts of the world were through magic given uh, intelligence and became the race of this beast folk and it's always a fun way to do it where it's just we went from zero to they're here welcome welcome aboard let's try and figure this out how are they incorporating and making their own spot in the world how are they having to try and like fold into everywhere else oh that's always well and again too if you're talking about different sub races you could have multiple different ones uh because i don't have an answer for how what the origin of the panda ursa or the black or the brown bear are in my world. Well, I guess I do have an origin answer for the black and the brown bear. It's that there is a God that depicts himself as a bear and he created the black and the brown bears to be, to, to have his likeness. Um, but I haven't created like any sort of story based around that. Just like that's where they came from. However, the polar ursa are different Again, more of a tragic, a tragic interaction with humans there. There were these human hunters that hunted bear and wore their skin, but they didn't have a respect for nature and they, they would they would hunt for simply sport and not use all of the um, the meat and materials from their kill. And so they were cursed by the god, uh, the bear god in my world and they became bear folk. So they were wearing these bear polar bear skin and all of a sudden they couldn't get it off of them because they were cursed and became this bear folk of the North. Yeah. And, and having that be closer to, oh, does it, uh, it's all good. And so like trying to figure out where, how close that is to what you're doing. I mean, certainly changes some of the stories that you're going to tell some of the struggles that you're going to face with, with that introduction of the bear folk because was that a generation ago was that a hundred generations ago i mean it it definitely changes a lot of those conversations to be had so if it just happened i mean there's just going to be and pun intended some animosity from that race towards those that had done that (laughs) in the same way that they start to have that 
I mean, the the number one place is that the Captain America, like that man out of time of just like if you just had them switch over, that's another thing. Like they don't understand the nuances of the world they now find themselves in until you're constantly kind of butting up to that as well. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about the the story, the narrative, which is obviously one of our focuses because it, it, it remains evergreen content. Because Bear Folk, this conversation about Bear Folk could be just as important to your third edition game, your fourth edition game, your seventh edition game, whatever that comes out. And good for you for listening. Um, if that's if that's anywhere near true, wow. Um, but one of the conversations we'll have now a little bit is to talk about some of the mechanics you could add to your Bear Folk race. So we'll kick it off with some of the Cobalt Press stuff, and I feel fairly comfortable sharing this o- online because sharing this online with my voice because you can go read it online with your eyes. Um, so one of the big things is having that plus two strength because you are talking about a race that is seven foot tall. But as always with some of the, the latest versions of the books, certainly having you add and flavor whatever version of a bear that you want. Is it more live? Is it more dexterous because you're doing... The ranger aspect, is it more studious because it is a druid and so on and so forth, but historically because of that large size and their affinity towards the martial classes, you're looking at that plus two strength. Um, the ones that I like is a natural armor and figuring out like what number feels right for the specific race of bear folk that you're doing. Of course, a bite attack, which as soon as you were mentioning the lycanthropy thing, I just thought it was funny that they have a bite attack in their <laughs> stat block of just like, well, yeah, that is their go-to. Yeah. And then people are just like, no! They should, yeah. Natural weapons make a lot of sense for the bear folk. I mean, have you ever like seen whether, like hopefully not up close, uh, with a live grizzly, but like even like if you've seen a uh, a stuffed grizzly and looked at their claws, oh, they yeah. have five knives on each hand, like big fat daggers. Terrifying, yeah. And they even speak to that a little bit in the like overall stat block of just like these aren't full size bear claws because, um, yeah, you would just everything would just be that yeah. um, and all about that. So then if, the other thing is the powerful build. So looking at being one category size larger for anything that you're doing in terms of lifting or carrying or or things of that nature. Um, From there, you're starting to figure out what, and I think this is where a lot of the design goes. Like Those design pieces, I think, are pretty standard. From there, it's figuring out what do you want your sub-race to be and look like. So um, some of the other things are a bear hug, uh, and my thought would be like with the like if I did the polar bear folk, giving them a swim speed um, and, and doing something and doing something akin to being underwater for an extended period of time. Yeah, I think that if you're creating these for your homebrew world, um, obviously thinking about climbing is something that that is an interesting aspect to add in. Um, natural climber, right? I believe that is uh, on some uh, racial traits for some fantasy races. Also, some sort of some sort of ability where your bear folk is able to roar and that either grants a bonus to allies or perhaps like an enemy has to roll against fear. I think like ability checks that allow them to be more intimidating uh, is, is a good thing. And you know, this isn't necessarily, I mean, it is, I don't know if this would work into the mechanics but one thing that we didn't even talk about that I think is a good question when you're creating uh, homebrew bear folk and deciding how they operate in your world, 
do they like bears hibernate? Because that would be an interesting thing to play out in a campaign when winter hits like, oh, like bear folks going to want to go and hibernate. Can they can they not listen to nature and not hibernate? What happens if they don't? Are they just extremely grouchy for all of winter? Um, Or is it something that they literally have to do? Oh, that'd be so funny. You just have you just have one player that plays like a couple plays a couple characters, and you could play two very different characters. So this is working yeah. through that idea. There were just, yeah. just my first initial thought is having them have this like really good, really altruistic, really focused on tribe and the group and everything like that, and then they go hibernate. And I, if it's me, I totally are gonna have the party basically hire this <laughs> terrible. All in it for the money mercenary to like cover the gap yeah. between, um, fills all the same roles. You know, let's say I was a, a barbarian or fighter. Um, so it fills all those roles. But again, I'm just in it for the money. I'm just here so I can get paid. Um, and have those two very different characters as the campaign goes through. Well, it's a fun idea. One that I would say, like many ideas with a role playing game could go terribly right or terribly wrong. Uh, and I think you've got to, as a DM, if you're, Wanting to implement that, like think about how that works in your game, because the worst way to implement that is to have that be a part of uh, the the bear folk in your world and have that built into the lore and something that a player could completely miss. And you reach a point in your campaign, you're like, oh, guess what? Your bear folk is going to go hibernate and you're going to have to play a whole different character. Well, if that's something that they knew about and were excited about, then that's great. But don't yeah. like again, like all with many things in role playing, it can oh, be done man. right and it can be done wrong. But by telling a player, hey, you can't play your character anymore because they're going to have to go hibernate. That's probably not the best way to do it. But I could see a, char- a person getting really excited about it if they know that it's a thing and saying, yeah, that sounds cool. Uh, I'm I'm happy to play with that flaw if you want to call it a flaw. Um, and do something different in this campaign that my character is going to go off for a little while and hibernate. Oh, how frustrated that poor person would be. <laughs> Just spring that on them. They're like, oh, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that at all. And now now here's a question I have for you, Neil, because like I said, in my world, there are Dominus um, bear folk that uh, are large size. And so we're talking about like ogre sized Bears, which to me, if you have an owl folk that or oh, yeah. owl kin that is medium size, it makes a lot of sense that you come across some things like a bear folk that they could be a large size type of creature. Is that something that you what's what's problematic about that? And is that something that you could see being done well for allowing it to be a playable race that's a large bear folk? Yeah, so my my first thought, and it, it's it's because I've had multiple groups and players with it, is if anyone is already in your group that is small or anything like that. I think if you have a, a, a small character as well as a large character, I think you're just going to have some a really hard time. I think if everyone else is medium and you're only having to like problem solve for large. I would totally do that. I would absolutely do that. Um, and I would just to clarify, what is what is the difficulty in having a small character and a large character going on at the same time? So I think the struggle is that you're going to have to because ha- you're going to have to problem solve for complications as as well as positives. 
So you need to have positive yeah. and negatives from falling outside of medium is my first thought. It's like there needs to be like when you go into a dungeon, I think there needs to be a problem, not a lot of problems. I think you need to make every door being Yes, like you're constantly crouched. Un- yeah. You're, you're at a disadvantage the entire time that you're in the dungeon. No. I think there do need to be there needs to be a problem that all gets addressed and then goes away. Because that's another thing, and that's that's sometimes great DMing is having your players solve a problem and that problem is now solved. Not asking them to do it every single time, but then the, then you're having reverse problems because now you have these wide open spaces that work so well for the small. But if I force something down to small, can my large player character even get through at all? So I think that that'd be my biggest concern. Is number one, do I have a small character? And if I don't, then I'm totally on board. I will solve those problems as well as put them in front of them. Um, because I also think of like trying to get away quickly, um, as well as can they reach something that no one else could reach? Could they help players out of a scenario that no one else could? Do they have that strength advantage? Um, all kinds of different things. Yeah, I mean, you. Ha- I think it comes down to sometimes to the the group you're playing with, and having a group that wants to be a, a team, not outdo each other, because. Uh, I I could see a small like a halfling and a large bear folk being amazing when the halflings constantly like riding on the shoulder of the bear folk. The halfling ranger is like on the ba- bear folk. That's the way they go into battle. Like I'm thinking like a rocket and Groot uh, situation oh, yeah. that could be great. But yes, yeah, certainly if there is a a shadowing over that that could be very difficult. I think that's the obvious reason why. Is there a problem with it? By definition of what we've seen in 5th edition, clearly the ones who are balancing the game feel like having a large character is a problem in itself. Doesn't mean that it can't be done and it can't be done well, but there is a reason that it is balanced that way with official rules. Yeah, it does make it easier to design. And that again, that's always something to think about is there are two very different things about designing. It is one, if you're designing it for sale, then it needs to hit the most people possible. Two, if you're designing it for your table, then those are the only people it needs to work for. You and everyone else sitting at your table. That's it. It could it could literally not work anywhere else at any other table, but if it works for your table, <laughs> then it's okay. Then it works perfectly as intended. Well, and one way, one easy way to make this work really well is you play a campaign where every character is a large bear folk, and you just wreck shop, and that would be amazing. Oh yes, sold on that. Okay, so that leads us to homework, which I've been absolutely racking my brain as to what we're going to tell people to view, watch, or experience. I think I've got some stuff. Okay. I think you've got I've, got a, I've got a couple as well. Um, okay. So, Why don't you go first? Uh, obviously, we're going to watch The Revenant, uh, first mm. and foremost. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> to understand the ferocity yes. of a grizzly bear. Yes, done. Absolutely need to watch The Revenant. Yeah. Uh, so, that was my first one. What's your first one? Well, I mean, like, jo- jokes aside, and I don't know if this is one of your, your follow-ups, but, like, Speaking about movies, Kung Fu Panda, if you oh, want yeah. to go into the sub races, right? Like it like if you if that could be great inspiration, maybe that's exactly what you want in your world uh, for a bear folk, which I believe. And Neil, you'll be able to answer this way better than me. 
but I believe the panda, which I don't, Pandarin, is that what they are in World yes. of Warfare? Yes, yes, it is. Right? Okay, talk about it. Yeah, so so that's an interesting way to potentially introduce a, a race into your world. So the Pandaren lived on Pandaria. Sorry, uh, I didn't name it. It just <laughs> is what it is. But basically, it was an island that people knew about. If we want to go all the way back in World of Warcraft lore, it was basically a joke that became serious. They eventually developed enough lore behind it, and it was an island that was shrouded in mist. And that is why the expansion was called the Mist of Pandaria. Hmm. And those mists went away, and everyone found them. And that was the introduction to that race. And it is one of the most interesting introductions because from levels 1 to 10, you were unaligned with a faction. And at 10, you needed to decide, do you join the Alliance or do you join the Horde? Um, so that it could be a very, like, it's a long history race that has lived these countless, you know, thousand years, thousands of years um, on their own. And now they've been introduced because what was shrouding them has now been lifted. Um, so, yeah, and they are historically a lot of monks, very, very Kung Fu Panda. Um, yes, but they can be yes. also a ton of different races, uh, or not different races, a ton of different classes as well. Uh, Guild Wars 2 uh, has a race called the Coden. They are bear folk. Uh, I don't know a lot about them, but if you're interested, and if you're a Guild Wars 2 fan, you probably know a lot more. Uh, but if you're interested, you can go read up on the Coden, K-O-D-A-N. Um, I do know that I have used a lot of Guild Wars 2 Coden art when uh, referencing the polar Ursa in my world. Uh, but beyond that, I also have taken a lot of inspiration from the His Dark Materials series of books uh, in which which they've had a movie adaptation and now an HBO series that they're working on with the armored bear folk from, or they're not bear folk, they're just armored bears, speaking bears uh, from that world. Uh, the Golden Compass, uh, yep. for those of you who only know the the original uh, book and movie title. But the Armored Bear from that world uh, are really awesome. Uh, they are skilled smiths. They make their own armor, and it's uh, their armor is like part of them. It's basically like their soul. There's a lot of cool lore there that you could easily take and say, I'm going to transfer some of this into the bear folk of my world. The, the Jungle Book, dude, like, it makes me think uh, of Baloo. I mean, depending on, like, <laughs> well, I mean, if you just were trying to characterize a character. Which Baloo are we talking about? Are we talking about the Jungle Book Baloo? Or are we talking about the Baloo that's a pilot? Which one are we talking about? Yes, both of okay. them. Immediately both of them. <gasps> Obviously, you have it in your um, Spelljammer campaign. Um, he's the pilot. Oh, yeah, leadership. for sure. Done. That's the perfect idea. Tailspin? Yes. Tailspin. There we go. Yeah. It wasn't coming to my mind. Oh yeah, yeah. Bear, I was thinking bare necessities, but then now, <laughs> now I'm only thinking tailspin. Forget everything else I said. So go check out all that 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 stuff. I'm sure there's a lot of other stuff as far as homework, but that's what we've got for you as far as homework for today. We just want to thank ourselves for coming on. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and of course, We're so awesome. <laughs> we did a great job. Of course, if you want to tell us about how you've added Bearful, what kind, what ways, you can always head over to your email provider, whatever that may be. Even if it's AOL, that's okay. We'll still read it. And you can email us at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. No, we won't. We have a spam filter. How dare you? 
Now, and of course, if you like that um, and you wanted to leave us a review on your podcatcher of choice, um, a rating or review, some some let you do one, some don't let you do the other, head over there and do that. Um, word on the street is it's great. You can follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. You can like our Facebook page or you can follow us now on Instagram, DMS underscore block, just like Twitter. Go to all three of those places for updates about the show. And as always, the Dungeon Masters Block is a proud member of the Block Party Podcast Network, where you can check out other shows like Detentions and Dragons, Dungeons and Dragons and Daughters, and more. Well, that's it for this episode of the Dungeon Masters Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, mauling characters, and eating the honey of every character at the table. I'm DM Neil. Good night. Good luck. And I'm Dungeon Master Mitch reminding you to keep on Dungeon Mastering. It's not inspiration, it's not wisdom, and it's bad advice. You really want to spice up your campaign? Just bring a real bear. Goodbye.